0: Welcome back to another episode of The Sacred Spot, a podcast that seeks to provide a brave, open, welcoming, and affirming space for Black faith practitioners and higher ed professionals to develop restorative practices rooted in healing and wholeness from an African diaspora-centric perspective. We are so excited for this episode, Learning to Unlearn. We welcome our special guest, Reverend Trey Campbell, and we hope that you will enjoy the contents of today's podcast. Sit back, relax, and prepare to journey with us to the sacred spot. This is
1: Dustin. This is Raquel, and you're listening to the Sacred Spot. Hey, party people! We are so glad that you are joining us for week two of the Sacred Spot, or episode two, I should say. We uh, we just want to thank all of you who have listened to our launch hey. episode. <laughs> we know we didn't know what we was doing, but we glad y'all are along for the ride. We had a strong sixty-five views, I think. Well, I mean, oh, really sixty-three. It's sure. probably okay. you down. Oh. <laughs> I don't like but hey i don't have 63 friends so <laughs> i'm glad you know that we <laughs> pick might have 63 friends i don't know I do not. so we just want to thank everybody um and again you know as we go into this we want to give that disclaimer that the views of this show are not the views of our respective institutions we're trying to keep our jobs keep our coins amen somebody so we're just glad you're with us for another week and on today's episode we're probably going to get into a little bit more depth than last week the one thing we're trying to do is think through some conversations that we just wish you know there was space for us to have as we were college students as we were graduate students even as we were young professionals in our um, respective institutions um we just wish that there was space for us to have some of these conversations so at the sacred spot we seek to provide a forum where you can kind of have these conversations where we can think some of these things through so today's topic will be the theme learning to unlearn and how oftentimes, particularly on campuses, you know, we're teaching students to learn things, how to process information, how to make sense of information. But sometimes on your journey to evolution, right, as you grow and as you evolve in your faith, what you unlearn is just as important as you learn. Mm-hmm. And so we're excited to be here today. We have a special guest who I'll introduce in a minute. But first, Dustin, how you doing, man? Hey, listen, I'm trying to make it, Reverend.
0: That's <laughs> all I can do. <laughs> we got, we, you know, we had a, um, students came together um, and organized a a protest on monday um you know anti-racism protest and so that was good came out it was socially distanced came out and marched with the students and um, did that with them and that gave me some energy so tuesday and wednesday i was throwing blows you feel me i was out here Making it do what it do. I was catching up on papers I ain't turned in. It was due two weeks ago. I, I oh, was right. and then today.
1: He's also a PhD
0: student. We forgot to say that last It's year. all right. Got here. Today that thing came back and was like, "Yeah, time to time to shut back down." <laughs> so <laughs> today I'm
1: I'm you know I'm I'm making it. I'm here. I'm here. So we here. So we here. We here. Right. Well, that's good to know. But today we got a special guest. One of my great friends, the homeboys of both of us, um, Reverend uh, Alfonso Trey Campbell. I had to use his whole government name. Alfonso. Oh, with us, man. What's <laughs> up, Trey? We are so glad that you're joining us. How you doing? Man, I'm doing good. Glad to be and
2: excited to be in the sacred spot. This is uh, a pretty lit spot, it already seems like. So I'm just excited to be with y'all, <laughs> to be able to hang out.
1: Absolutely. 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 Trey, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your current role, you know, and and currently, you know, what you're doing in ministry. You are a higher ed professional. You know, know, just tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm currently um, one uh, ordained minister at a a local church, but then beyond that recently um, stepped into the role as a campus minister at a uh, local school in the area. And you know, I've just been responsible for just kind of help, you know, nourish the spiritual lives um, of the students at the the school and then, you know, bringing my own authenticity to it, right? You know, I'm, you know you're know you not going to necessarily see me uh, look at a certain way. I try not to, you know, I just try to be Trey, you know, simply what's your shirt? What's your, what's
1: your sweatshirt say?
2: Decolonize, decolonize, decolonize. <laughs> so I'm always, you know, I'm always, always just trying to wrap a, a certain truth and just, you know, like I said, just be who I am and um
1: what are some I, of the programs that you've been like working through this semester? This is your first semester
2: Yeah so so unfortunately yeah, I, I got I got hired for the uh, spring semester and in March, a pandemic hit so I I was instantly you know once I was we were getting ready to gear up and and do something where I can you know be able to meet the the students and whatnot. Um, and then once the pandemic hit, everything had to go virtual. And so we quickly just had to adjust to it and um, start off just kind of just doing some simple prayer calls, right? Like just doing virtual prayer calls uh, that, you know, where we're, I'm just kind of able to sit, hear some of their thoughts, start off with some meditation, things of that nature, and uh, do some prayers and... You know just be there for the students and you know that that was that was big and then so we stopped for the summer a little bit and then in August I picked up um a I did a Howard Thurman series entitled The Love Supreme trying to you know um attach sir, yes, sir. attach attach Coltrane and, and and Thurman's um you know idea of around love and how love needs to be the thing that emerges out of all of what we're you know struggling and facing and so we did Hmm. four-week series uh, through Thurman's book, and it was beneficial for me. I don't know how it was for all of them, you know, but they said it opened their minds as well, but it was beneficial for me to going back and reading Thurman's work again in this context, so. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. That Love Supreme yeah. is something real, too. Man. Like, Isn't it? Isn't it? Backdrop them so much that I do. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's on
2: repeat. Wow. It's, it's, a, it's a spiritual album, you know what I mean? Like, that is deeply spiritual, so. Yeah, yeah. I
0: think You're I also remember... Yeah, I remember Dr. Cone talking about you know love supreme being the backdrop of a lot of his writing mm. and other folk who you know I think Cornell West has has named that <laughs> as
1: well. Um, any rate, I love it. I love it. See, y'all, I have put two. Uh... They're not self-proclaimed, but what do you mean somebody else proclaiming? They're rock-proclaimed, pro- <laughs> or not, uh mystics, or whatnot, uh-huh. <laughs> on, on this podcast together. So it'd be interesting, some of the thoughts that come up, or whatnot, as you see, as we're talking about a love supreme and how the theology of train, right, or whatnot, Right. Um, Trained right. as almost a patron saint. Absolutely, I painted him as. So I, There's uh, churches, the train churches. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. San yeah. I had that was my hope for my birthday. My I wanted to turn uh, thirty in San Francisco. And I wanted to visit, uh, but COVID always got you know, yeah. yeah, to COVID it up everything. About to turn
0: thirty in the house. You hear me? <laughs> right, right, right.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's a mess. All right, so. So you so you guys did the series on Thurman, and you said it opened up a lot of, you know, the students' minds, and it was, you know, it was mind-opening, or or at least in some ways it was beneficial or fruitful for you, or and that's powerful. And so I think a good thing of, you know, hope, what we're hoping to chop up in this conversation is... You know the three of us, I think you said, just're still kind of situated in your local congregation, but once you know, but me and Dustin, we may be mentioned on the launch episode that we've kind of transitioned out of local congregational ministry the way he's shaking his head and. <laughs> 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 and into campus ministry or whatnot. So Pete, I guess, you know, just how is the work that we do with college students or you do with college students different from the work that, that you did, right? In the local church, right? Um, You know, feel free to share with that journey as you, as you feel it. Like, how is it different? What, do, what are the joys of that? And then what are some of the challenges, I guess? Mm-hmm.
0: I think the biggest thing for me is kind of two or three things, but I think the main two the politics right the politics of church um they exist where i am but when i am working with students when i am doing that work with them it is a a lot less so of course i have to deal with politics with within my office because it's everywhere but it's 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 different right i don't have a a deacon board and you know church council all of those things and and and, um to, to contend with um so that's very different for me and i think the um the creativity uh mm-hmm. is different as well so i am able to create in ways that um really um are, are really life giving and mm-hmm. and that's important to me because that that creativity that freedom like is rooted in an afrocentric tradition right it's mm-hmm. rooted in uh that you know spiritual aspect um And so, feeling constrained, really, in Mm. in in the church. Um, Mm. Talk more about that. Like, what 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 felt constrained? Yes, I mean constraints in 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 terms of as my theology developed, I felt that uh, at least the churches that I were uh, a part of um, were not catching up, right? Or 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 they did not. It's not even a catching up. They didn't provide space (laughs) for me to to live into this new my um, like way of being this new way of thinking to explore to think to create um, yeah. and to be uh, and to be myself right to, to be yeah. myself fully um for the most part that did not happen. Um, of course, I've worked for, um, you know, a church that was incredibly progressive theologically, um, but then we had some racial things that we had to deal with right So yeah. so when I talk about the church, mm-hmm. I'm speaking um, most m- most often I'm always speaking about the black church. Uh, I feel like the black churches that I were that that I was a part of did not allow that creativity to explore, and especially as you know, I mean, shit, we don't even have to talk about the, the I'm sorry, the African spirituality part. It is it's every special. episode.
2: You gotta speak in it's tongues, five, it's speak you in tongues. You gotta um, speak-
0: um, <laughs> we gotta speak We're not even talking about like, African, you know, spirituality and things of that nature, uh, you know, mysticism, don't even bring that up. <laughs> I'm Shut talking up. about basic theological things. <laughs> can, can we name that everybody, everybody is welcome in this space, right? Right. That, that, that right. we are open, that we are affirming. I'm talking about basic low-hanging fruit stuff. God is not a man. Listen, that, right, can can we change our language? Can, right. Can can, can can we change our language or how we talk about women and gender right people with with, with different abilities right can we just get there <laughs> and you know really the 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 church that at least that I was a part of churches that i that I've been a part of did not allow for that um now mm. granted you
1: know I still do my online church i was going to say like so how are you crafting that because you do a worship service a weekly worship service every week at four o'clock so how are you crafting the kind of sacred spaces that kind of sacred spots right (laughs) that you wish like we had been given or you know um how are you doing that
0: yeah I, i um it's a lot of collaboration. I think that's one part. I, I I make sure that as we are crafting worship services for Sunday, that the students are doing the planning, um, that they are given insight and thought into what's happening. And um, I name and rename that our worship space, which is an interdenominational worship space, right? So we have students from all type of denominational backgrounds. It's not non-denominational, we're interdenominational. So mm-hmm. that means we highlight um, those different traditions. We may do communion through intention or we may, you know, we may pass plays. It's just mm. depending on how we're feeling. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, but I go into that space um, with a, a sense of collaboration with students and I name that it is a brave space. So we're going to talk about and deal with things that may be uncomfortable, but it is for the sake of our liberation.
1: What and-
0: <laughs> <about> survey <laughs> <sermon> you did? <laughs> Ain't no
1: telling. I go (laughs) with my students be looking at me like like, you said the ground or something. I can't remember what the server was, but you said the next week
0: (laughs) the spot was clear. I I get emails. I came in one Sunday, it it was heavy. It was I mean it was Uh, I came in one Sunday and the the chapel was packed. I mean it was folk in there left and right. I came back the next Sunday. That bad boy had thinned out. Oh, Uh,
2: (laughs) that means (laughs) you do a good work. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. And what happened was. Jesus cleaned the temple. (laughs) (laughs) And that thing, it kept, it built back up. And that was the good part. You got to go in, you got to stay where where you are. Because some of that you need to clear out, right? We don't need people who are (laughs) not going to allow for us to progress in the ways that we got to progress. So y'all go do what you need to do, you know. Anyway, but that's, like, that's part of it that's part of it just being brave I mean I've had times where we've come in for for worship and it's not a, a, a sermon as usual like I'll come in and really you know I say all right you know today I'm taking questions so what questions do y'all have and then I'll like I'll riff off of off of their questions and that's what worship becomes you know it becomes conversational and it should be right i I, I like completely um, and I'm a, I'm gonna shut up in a sec. Yeah. No, you But didn't. I completely um, disagree with like I had to reckon with it. I think we have. And yeah, we
1: talk out. about this. We talk about this
0: often. I, like, I was going to go there. The, go the setup of our worship it, worship space traditionally you come in and you sit and you're being talked to, right? Mm-hmm. And and the majority of that that worship setting is one person, usually a man, who stands up for 30, 45 minutes, <laughs> if you're at a good Baptist church, um, you know, talking at you and there's no mm-hmm. conversation. And so like, if we're talking about life in a collaborative sense, then like, what does it look like to like dismantle that? They stand above you, right? They're standing up on a podium. I, I like, so I had to go in and like even reorient the look and feel of what our space is like to kind of like challenge some of those like patriarchal structures.
1: Yeah, I'm still debating where I am with that. I don't know if it's because I like the attention or what. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I remember when you first started thinking through that, like is you know, is this is what is this way of preaching, you know, with this one voice is centered, is that you know the only way to do the sermon? Right. Um, is that the only way to preach or whatnot? Well, Trey, right, what about you? How has your Entrance into you know ministry in a higher capacity. How is it different from your work in a local church? What have been you know some of the strengths and some of the challenges?
2: Yeah, um, I I I just want to quickly say too. I I think it's okay for uh, me and Dustin because you know we're, we're decentralizing patriarchy, so it's okay for our voices to do it. You can keep yours, you know, at the at the middle anyway. So, um, but I think that uh, I think for me as I have uh, you know moved towards. Just you know, b- being in the academic space, being you know with students, is that there's a a sense of just journeying with them that I appreciate that I don't always necessarily get mm. in churches sometimes because you know in churches, you know a lot of times people think they have arrived because you know they save now, they um say. and and so with some of the students, I I, I get honest questions them, and I guess sometimes because I'm transparent, I'm honest. I tell them you know it's, especially and, and one thing I try to do in my um, you know, whether sermons or messages is always try to present scripture, you know, with a different look. You know, mm-hmm. I don't always want to come in with the same angle. I don't want to agree with what others have done before. Mm-hmm. You know, I may say the commentators, others have interpreted this before. As you know, mm-hmm. with Dermot's book, the first chapter, what is it like Jesus and Interpretation? And so mm-hmm. even as I'm teaching that, is that we have privileged and prioritized. Um, certain interpretations wow. and I want to go against that. And then on top of that, in response, you know, cause I, I believe once again, like, you know, as, as Dustin said that I'm not just trying to have it, just one centered voice, but as we talk together, as we think through things together, yeah, um, exactly. allowing them to privilege their interpretation in that moment while also not, you know, um, Devaluing anybody else's interpretation, and yeah. so that's one thing that I think I've kind of appreciated. Now, on the opposite side is you still got some of those who are still holding tight to some of their conservative uh, mm. um, <laughs> values, and they're like, you know, I, I, "I came yeah, in with naivety. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking everybody gonna love the fact they gonna have this new young guy <laughs> that's gonna come through, you know, break it, basically, I like just breaking down everything, and." <laughs> They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> don't, okay. touch don't touch my Jesus. Don't touch my Jesus. <laughs> <No, laughs> Your Jesus flirting with whiteness. They're like, no, don't still don't touch my Jesus. Don't touch my Jesus. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. No, that's a huge part. I think, yeah. you know, in my institution, the makeup is mostly um, <clears throat> white. You know, we're about 20% or 22%. And, you know, we'll probably dive deeper into this, hopefully, um, episode three. We're not going to keep talking about stuff we, and then say, oh, we'll talk about it later. But <laughs> a big part of it is, you know, I've really been wrestling with, in some ways, how. Um, Christianity is, you know, it's the linchpin of racism in America, right? And so that as I that. formed, you know, as I formed students theologically and spiritually who many of which who have been birthed and have been formed in the white church um, or whatnot, you know, that as, you know, they continue to grow and develop in that faith, that to go deeper in that faith is to inherently become more racist. Um, mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. inherently to become more homophobic, more sexist, all these different things or whatnot. And so so it's interesting, like you say, when you come in and you bring a different take <laughs> um, or a different perception, um, sometimes the rubs of, you know, and you really see just how deeply indoctrinated so many students have become. And, you know, like I say, it's, it's majority white, but many of our African-American students, you know, as well, who they come and sometimes, you know, the concepts are just, it's just too much. This idea of it's an open table, like everybody is welcome, literally. Yeah. Or when you don't get to, like, deny anybody a seat at the table. Or when, you know, when many of them come from churches and institutions where they are just so fascinated by sin and by, you know, the way other people live and their interpretations of the way other people live. And so it's, you know, I definitely get what you're saying of, like, sometimes wrestling with the conservatism of students, you know, when they come into a campus and – opportunity where you get four years to just meet people from all over and right. get four years to just explore some stuff that you maybe you know wouldn't be allowed to at home and i do have some students who do right i'm excited about like i have two students even tonight right now they're participating in a queer black theology group, um, mm. which is hosted by one of our sister institutions. And they didn't have enough folks to sign up. So she sent me, was like, can you send me a couple of students? It's a closed group and it's just for students who identify as black, queer, and Christians. And I didn't think too many people was going to sign up. And I was actually surprised by the students who reached out and said, Hey, I'd be interested in this. Um, so I do know that there are some that they are pursuing that opportunity, but it is overwhelming kind of, you know, when you think about how, churches have you know just so indoctrinated many of these students and you have to do some real deep work to just kind of get them to think through their own theology what do Absolutely. you believe like right. you not you right. know right. Not anybody right. else or not right. so that's a good part so just be encouraged and you know know that you're doing good work despite that or whatnot and in the spirit of trans, you know i would not ask y'all something that like right i'm not gonna answer myself because i know definitely looking at like oh whatnot. not like i i feel like for me some of the well i mean I don't know if I have sat and deciphered the strength and the and the challenges. What I will say is I do remember concretely when I knew that it was time to take a step away, I guess, from congregational ministry. I knew concretely when, okay, something else was happening for me. And I was trying to remember, and I remembered journaling about it, and um, I can't remember, some pieces I wrote, hopefully, I, I didn't get to look at it. I just kind of did a revival for a friend before then. So I hope there's nothing in this journal that's like crazy. But there was some, a piece that I, you know, I was, I was like, I know I wrote about this. A, somebody had asked me to speak at a conference and I could not think of anything. So I just kind of started journaling, hoping I would come up with something. So this is kind of what I wrote. I sat pausing, wondering how I would respond to yet another invitation to another conference. This one about church strategy and revitalization all I could think was what else could I possibly say about young pastors growing and reviving churches. I had served on a staff of two. One was a struggling mega church. The other was just a declining church. One was in Brooklyn, New York. The other was in Burlington, North Carolina. One experience I greatly enjoyed, despite a sometimes unhealthy work environment and pervasive sexism. The other experience I hated every day or close to daily, and it affected my physical and mental health deeply. All that to say, there was just not much else at all I was interested in saying about church at this point. I keep it as a relative uh, part of my life, um, often to appease others, but sometimes I find deep joy in in it or not. But truthfully, the idea of growing a church had not been on my mind in a long time, even when I worked in one. How to revitalize an institution only for its own health just wasn't what made my heart sing. It was then that I realized that those questions were good questions and necessary questions, but they were not my questions. Figuring out how to keep a church alive was good work, but it wasn't my work, at least not at the present moment. The questions that excited me had less to do with church growth and more to do with communal flourishment. It had less to do with revitalizing neighborhoods um, and more to do with recreating spaces. For the past few years, I've been more excited about churches who turn vacant land into farms and who build community centers instead of bigger sanctuaries. I've been more impressed by leaders who can tell you almost everything you could ask about their zip code and less concerned with pastors who have major platforms. I just care more about someone having affordable housing, eating a fresh tomato, and having an all purpose space where they can dream and create. I care more about meeting the tangible everyday needs of people And it makes me feel a lot more fulfilled than saving somebody's soul right now. I don't know what that means. It could just be another rant, which it was, I guess. But I feel like it means I need to spend some time finding a way to do my work. I need to find a way to explore my own questions instead of burning myself out answering someone else's. Still Mm -hmm. not sure what this means, but I'm writing it down because I feel it means something. Mm -hmm. And so I knew then, like, I feel like something, I'm searching for something different. And just searching, you know, uh, for something where I'm building and creating something instead of keeping something alive, Uh, and I felt like that was what so much of my ministry work had become um, in congregational space. It was about how to keep the church alive, um, and I just we just had less time to focus on how to keep the people alive in it, Um, Mm -hmm. you know. um, And I, I think that is something that I do enjoy about my current role, like don't get me wrong, college institutions exist to save themselves and to be financially solvent themselves. But as the chaplain, that don't have to be my work. Right. <laughs> you know, My work can be, it can center students. It can be explicitly about their growth, their development, and their formation. It can be explicitly about who they go out and who they become in the world. So, you know, I just, I knew then that it was time to shift and how to be okay with that shift, right? Um, that Not to say that these are not good questions or necessary questions, but they just weren't my questions to be asked. Asking, right Um and so I knew it was time for a pivot right Um and pick did you have that kind of moment for yourself as well absolutely I
0: mean so like before coming here I'm working in a church managing you know stewardship and development so I'm um, you know raising money and um, thinking about the same thing like you know my responsibility in this moment is to bring money into this church so it can keep thriving and surviving but mm-hmm. like what about the people you know mm-hmm. um, and so Absolutely. But I think there was a fear of 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 leaving, you know, the the church, quote unquote, Right. Because there, there's a sense to be honest, right. There's a, there's a sense of belonging that you have Oh, absolutely. within the church. And is it going to be the same? If I go to another space, am I going to be received the same? Do I have, you know, the same privileges? Like, you know, to be honest, um, (laughs) but I think I got to the place of like, like recognizing, or, you know, do, do I get the the same invitations, you know, (laughs) what, you know, all that came into into account um but when i got to the to to the point that um like me in the words of 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 dr katie cannon right me doing the the work that my soul must have Mm -hmm. was what was what was most important um and the church that I was in like the institutions, like the, the, the churches that I were a part of, they were literally killing me, (laughs) you know? Um, And and I had to, I had to move, I I had to move and do what was best for me and come out and realize that ministry happens and and can unfold in many different ways. Um, Yeah. So it definitely had that moment. Yeah. It is extremely expansive It is extremely expansive and just being okay with that. You know, right. like I'm, I'm able because you're in the academic setting. You're able to push some boundaries that you probably could not and cannot push in certain churches. And so it, it was, it was coming to, um, yeah, you know, coming
1: to grips with that, and just jumping to be honest. So when we talk about pushing boundaries, right, <laughs> they could kind of move into into the next part. Like so, as we work with students, you know, students that we hope and pray are evolving and they're growing in their faith journeys, right, or whatnot what are some of the ways that we've had to evolve and expand, right? Um, And like I say, the things that we've had to learn, but also... Some of the things that we've had to unlearn. Come on, <laughs> Lord <laughs> help him. He feel his help. Because what we believe in a tenant, we believe at the Sacred Spot. Let I me mean, just say, was, the Sacred Spot was originally a retreat that Dustin and I had hoped mm-hmm. to have <laughs> yes. before COVID. We had really hoped to have a retreat for just faith practitioners, just uh, spiritual healers, just activist artists, whoever or whatnot. People who just feel burnt out and just like us, we just needed a spot, just and a spot to gather. Yeah, That's it's still right. coming. Yeah. COVID, yeah. <laughs> COVID, not, COVID, yeah. COVID is not going to stop this show and whatnot. We believe that there's going to be a day where COVID is over and we're going to still be able to gather. Amen. Gather. And, and, yeah. You know, so we just believe that. But what it really was about, you know, we hope that there could be a space where we could really talk about what it means to evolve. Right. Um, And what it means to have to kind of unlearn and undo. Right. And I, it hit me when I was listening to the Nina Simone song. You know, I, I can't sing, but. You know, and I had a little bit of, of, of redemption bourbon, so, <laughs> so I'm gonna try. <laughs> but man, you know that that ooh, you know ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. Yeah, ooh, man. child, things are get brighter. Speak, you know the song. I'm sing it one yeah. time, Rocky. No, I'm not fooling with y'all. <laughs> but the part that hit me, and I don't know what it was the other day, but Jesus, it hit me. Oh, now, when she was like, someday we'll get it together and we'll get it undone. Yeah. And that undone part, Ooh. like that's what this journey of like these past two years have felt like for me or whatnot that in order to get it together, sometimes you got to get some stuff undone, mm-hmm. right? Um, right? And I've had a season or a series, I feel like, of, of undoings <laughs> mm-hmm. or whatnot where things have just been unraveling for me or whatnot right. as I figure out who I really am, as I make sense of Raquel, right? Um, Outside right. of all these roles, all these titles and different things. So what are some things that you feel, and Trey, I'd love if you could, you know, lead us here. What do you feel that you've had to learn and unlearn, right, in order to become more free and experience the sacred in your own life, right? And just however you want to roll. Yeah, man. I mean, just kind of
2: piggybacking off of what you guys, uh, off of your thoughts just now, I think for me, I came into ministry like with this script, right? Like this is what I was supposed to do. Like this was supposed to be the next step after this, I'm supposed to become pastor. And I think within like the last couple, well, actually, I don't know if I've ever really been comfortable with that, right? Mm-hmm. But then I, I always tried to make myself fit within that box or try to reduce mm-hmm. myself to that mm-hmm. box because that's what everybody else was doing, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but but yet, you know, in undergrad, once again, not to keep evoking his name, but I I feel like that's just my ancestral sage. But like uh, with with Thurman, I learned him at Howard, right? And he was all it was something different about Thurman, for mm-hmm. me. And I was just like, man, I don't know what it is, and I couldn't name it at that time. But the older I've gotten, is just like he has this emancipatory spirituality that I I felt like I never got in the church you know?
1: it's an emancipatory spirituality,
2: spirituality. yeah and, and it was no, one with practice. his credit now <laughs> y'all,
1: y'all say that.
2: It, it, it was with practice too right like it, it wasn't just about you know, it, it was a spirituality that allowed me to be able to name things and name them in truth right like mm-hmm. na- name the the, the the structures that are evil and problematic in society problematize even the the knowledge production that we have inherited in our society yeah. and as a result you know, be able to walk differently after that, right? Because when you, that's how we talk about with our students, right? Because what we're helping them do is just see things differently. We're not telling them how to see, but yes. to see things from a different yeah. manner. Yeah. And and so for me, getting to that place of being comfortable to be able to see different was like kind of like that first step. And then I think I just, like even more recently, like I've just become more radicalized or revolutionized over the last, you know, this summer. That's a whole nother conversation. What
1: has been the most, the most probably radical uh shift right or paradigm shift um, um for you this summer
2: this i, I don't i don't i don't i, I no longer just want to integrate into things anymore i want to i want to change the world yes yes
0: i'm, ti-
2: I'm tired <laughs> of i'm tired of like integration I, and like for me like i, I even realized and I, I know um the voice was talking about it in regards to america but there's also a double consciousness when it comes to the church right like there's okay. the theology that we've kind of gained but then there's also the re- the, the respectability that. We have to kind of walk with as we're walking into our churches and so you deal with that conscience and i'm just like yo i'm tired of dealing with this torn nature right like i want to be able to walk with wholeness i want to be able to go out and see every space as the sacred spot yeah and i think that like that is what's that's what's become my major piece in life right now right like i'm i'm walking out everything sacred okay well whether i'm at you know a local spot that has you know some nice spirits there or whether you know i'm, I'm having a conversation with y'all um everything is sacred right and like i i i, I getting to a point where i can find god in places and being bold enough to say the, the the spirit is here and then sometimes the spirit ain't in some of these institutions that we say the spirit is My god. And, and and being able to be to walk in that boldness has been kind of like the the major thing for me um wow. <laughs> been and and it, and it's almost still like emotional right like it's still emotional just in the sense of like the things like you say that, that has to be undone and unlearned because those are those are things that were like a part of you and it's it's not like you completely lose it but there are things that you're just like yo like I, that's that's no longer good like i can't it 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 got me to the place where I'm at right now but Mm-mm. If I walk into this next door, you know, I I I got I gotta do it. So yeah, wow. (laughs) Can we just insert a praise break right here,
0: (laughs) y'all? This is so real. Like it's stuff that I've been talking about. Not not just in the like religious spiritual sphere, but you know, I'm in a you know. Ph.D. program. I'm talking about it as well. We literally just had the conversation earlier talking about students sense of belonging and how like students integrate into space. And, you know, um, one of my cohort members and myself, like kind of brought up like, but why integrate for the purpose of what, right? Sometimes what we need to do is just tear it down, right? It doesn't need to exist or create, um, you know, you, you create your own space. Um, yes. So this is definitely like I am. I got the feels over here, you know, and, and it's 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 important where what Trey is saying, um, to like this, to 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 resist this double consciousness, right? To mm. to 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 resist it because that you realize that the work that partner. we're called yeah. to, right? Um it, there there is no like the you have to break down these like you know dichotomies of, of sorts, right? It 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 has to exist in all spheres of your life right it is a way of being it is it is it is a way of living um so you know we talk about you know afrocentric practices or african spirituality that isn't a thing that you just pick up whenever you want it right you, you don't just pick it up whenever the time comes but it, it is um or even mysticism right it, it is about how you live how you see the world how you view right. things around you and i can't just pick that up on sunday and put it back down right yeah. so when i'm when i'm walking and and really and i do this and you know when i'm walking and I take notice of of that tree, or you know that 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 moment that I am uh, just 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 captivated, right, by the world around me because I see the spiritual like life force within it, right? It is living still, right? Um, right. Be it a rock, a tree, or a person, <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah, it, it, it is something about it. And I think that's that is the the biggest push um, away from the church that I've had. Mm-hmm. Is not wanting to, um, not wanting to put on the suit and tie, to feel mm-hmm. comfortable walking through the door anymore. Hey, Amen. Right? Um, not, <laughs> not feeling like I have to. You know, I got to turn my radio you off. Love them vans.
1: You, you was the preaching them vans in a minute. And you know I
0: was <laughs> right. Um, you know, and I still, you know, because it is this pull, it is this tug. There are still some things that I do um, that um because i feel at times i have to but like what trey said i am moving more and more away from that so you you're never going to see me on the sunday morning here in vestments and things of that nature and if that's what you do god bless you right um you know may the love of god go with you but um it's it's just it's, it's a shift right and it's not just so i can be the cool preacher <laughs> it's because yeah. i truly believe it's that any genes, how i
1: because, yes, any genes pastoring can, yeah
0: skinny no, jeans pastor and kit yeah it's really yeah, because yeah. i believe that however i show up is sacred right? Mm, right um whoever i am is sacred um and that's really what it is about yes like i mean
1: god told my in right. you know, unlearning <laughs> respectability presentation or how we show up to a space and even unlearning the dichotomies and binaries of the sacred and the secular
0: yes there there is no separation right we've been saying that there is no separation right Um, and it's so important i I think like in in terms of unlearning as well y'all which is why it helps me to work with my students who are more conservative um, because I realized I have to remind myself, of from, from where yes. I come. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I just went on a riff about them, but that was definitely me. Cause I got some experiences in college. My God.
0: <laughs> I was just thinking, um, today, um, as you know, and just thinking, thinking through this, as you all were talking, I thought about being an undergrad and Dr. <laughs> Emily Towns was invited to speak at, um, Winston-Salem state. Um For our uh James Gray lecture series, which is like our like religious lecture series, and they put her bio on there, and I read her bio and I refused to go listen mm. to Dr Towns because she was a gay woman and wow. i was like i'm not i'm i'm not going i'm wow. not i'm not going right um and damn like I <laughs> look at where I am now right um how much dr towns um has okay has impacted me. And I told her that whenever she came to Duke, like I had to share that with her. Um, Cause I, you know, I was like, wow, look at what I missed out on. Wow. Right. Because I was, it, my because of, of what I had been conditioned to believe. Yeah. Right. I had, what I had been, I had been conditioned to believe somebody who grew up in the church. Listen, I live right next door to Daisy Chapel Baptist church. I have, <laughs> you know, I, we, we went to church at, uh, uh, uh um, my uncle Church, I can't even think of the name <laughs> of <him> right now. <laughs> he was, you know he it. I hope you not listening. hope <laughs> <He ain't gonna laughs> listen. you don't <laughs> forget the name of the Church, <laughs> he ain't gonna listen. we would go to church at eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, get out about about twelve one. Go home, eat uh, some dinner, and then come back for for church at seven p.m. and be in there to another one o'clock in the morning, right? Um, wow. and and the stuff that we were being taught, what we were. Who, who we were being told were, were Christians, who we were being told, um, you know, were allowed in really conditioned me. Um, and I had to do that unconditioning. Right. Um, this is the last part. So like that undoing every day that I walk down the stairs at Duke Divinity School to go to that lower level. Mm-hmm. I had to see that sign that says be transformed yes. by the renewing of your mind. Yeah, and that scripture has sat mm-hmm. with me so so different right it like it, it is crazy to to visualize how that scripture unfolded for me over the course of my time there um mm-hmm. you know going in deeply um, conservative um um you know but i love black folk at least i said i did right um yeah. and every no, time oh, i walked man. down that, every time i walked down that staircase i had to look at that you know that inscription mm-hmm. and really do the work of being transformed
1: yes i know that's right now i i thought about some things cuz i could say i mean so much of even while i was in seminary you know the, you know i i came to duke in many ways, after having been a child preacher, um, and really stealing that identity, right? Um, when we went to seminary together, maybe we should not be saying the name of the it? institution, you know. Hey, they hey, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, gonna do, do, <laughs> Jesus once a month. Oh, but anyways, um, <laughs> but no, but I think like even having come there, like so much of identity had already been crafted for me since I was 14 so not Um, and so I knew so much of the like of the performance (laughs) not just the performance of preaching but the performance of looking like clergy oftentimes looking like the male clergy who had been mentors to me um because it just had never even dawned on me um that women could pastor really until i got to Duke Divinity um or whatnot so that was really not even a reality that i could see for myself but then even then still being so deeply niched into that and so deeply committed to the idea of like i go here i get this degree i go back that yes a lot of things were unworked or whatnot but I would say I was still so committed to being in that identity when I left um, because I needed a job. I wanted employment. I wanted employment in the church that I don't think I allowed myself to even fully experience that transformation that I could have experienced while I was there or when I like to, you know, I don't think I allowed myself to fully work through. So it really wasn't until hell, the church got rid of me, or whatnot, today they was like, listen, or oh, whatnot, you know, did I actually had to have a year at the house, or oh, not? thank God, because, you know, I mean, like I say, that was, it was me and daddy, because he was retired at that time, so I actually had a year at the house, and, like, all that stuff just began to unwork and unravel for me, and it was just like, wait a minute, like, what's actually happening, and I, rem- the biggest thing for me was really around body, right, um, and around identity, like, I remember sitting there thinking, like, so much of what I've been taught just about like how by, what I had been taught not to listen to my own body or whatnot. Like oh. that was something that like the church did not teach me how to listen to my body. Trauma did. Um, mm. You know, and like deep pain it, or whatnot. And so, like, really going through, like, what does it mean when we say the body is a temple, right? We say the body is a temple, but it's always about how we constrict and how we control it, and not yeah. about how we find a home in it, or whatnot. And so, the more I began to like find a home in my body, wow. I, you know, wow. the easier it became to really like recognize what feels good for me right now and what doesn't feel good, or whatnot. Mm. And even now, many people would say, "Well, that's not how you need to navigate life," like you know, because we all just did what felt good you know, where will we be or whatnot? But how like listen to how that sounds like, you know, or we're not this idea that anything that naturally brings you joy that you feel at home within or whatnot, that like that you you're supposed to deny that. You're supposed to so, so I think for me that was the beginning of unlearning for me was was and all so much stuff was wrapped up in that. This idea that suffering is always redemptive, right? Um, and that it always has an ultimate purpose or whatnot. You know, like this idea, mm-hmm. you know, that that you know that everything is just supposed to be fostered in pain or whatnot, and it's supposed to be yeah. just birthed in pain. And life is not supposed to have any joy. I never realized how I was so committed to living my life um, in the pastorate, even if that meant never really having any personal fulfillment. Or not like i you know vocationally i would go i would excel or not but i didn't really care about whether or not that was what i really wanted so i think finding home in my own body like that was what was central for me um or not at the beginning of that and now coming to that place where i'm unthinking some other things right <laughs> um and you know really the biggest thing with all this abolition talk is hell Trying to figure that out, uh-uh. I, would, uh-uh. I would at least uh-uh. say hell is complicated if it's real. Like right. I don't know, like or whatnot.
0: You to tell me uh-huh. twenty twenty ain't hell, right right, <laughs> right, 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 right.
1: Beloved, right. right. you, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, uh, you know, and so much other. You know, so many other things. I think even like once, once I wasn't connected to a real institution, my preaching was able to change, or whatnot. <laughs> like <laughs> beloved, like I could actually wrestle. Like mm-hmm. you know, it, I remember doing like a, a big Twitter search. I was just crowdsourcing when I was preaching Joshua because once you start reading about the stories about our indigenous brothers and sisters you read Conquest in in the Old Testament so differently. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like what you mean? God then gave you this land, but other people stay there. Like, huh? Or not? <laughs> like, let's talk. Like, what what are we what are we doing here? When, and being able to find confidence to preach those things, and to, or at least wrestle with it, right? Or, or not? Like, yeah. and being able to come to the text with more questions than answers, and sometimes you leave with more questions than answers, yeah. and that's okay. That's sacred. Yeah. yeah that's I, you sacred. Know, seeing that is sacred as well. So I think like unlearning like and undoing like you know it matters just as much or when you know some other traditions would call it deconstruction i guess but you know but the undoing like don't be afraid of that like you know god can be in that as well sometimes that is and sometimes the questions that you most afraid to ask is what i tell students um that's the stuff you need to be leaning into like that's like where you need to be like you know really centering yourself because there's a reason that's coming up for you
2: right mm-hmm. i was about to say too i think that like that's why it's so important for us as we are you know our learning is also asking the question of of the genealogy of what we've learned where did it come from yeah. right yeah. like like where where did this yeah who taught me you know asking those questions because when you when you recognize it as you said some of those like there's a reason that you can go back to the indigenous people and see things from a different manner it's like wait a minute they didn't just like go over there and they're like, yo, let me get your land. And it's like this nice little transaction, but they stole this land. And then now these people are in control of the knowledge that you're gaining, you know? And so that's why I think for me, and I, and I know you've mentioned this a few times, Dustin, as far as like these African spiritualities, kind of getting back to that and seeing the difference of the African spirituality versus some of the spiritualities that we have our religions that we've kind of taken on you mm. kind of you i started asking that question too like why am i wait a minute why am i just accepting like i'm even my relationship with evangelism looks different right now i don't know how much right. of a fan i am of evangelism
1: well
0: threw it out a long time ago right <laughs> <laughs> it, is what it is
2: like what does it mean to evangelize you go out and you try to tell somebody you need to be like me in order to be able to get to no. heaven and be like this no. and i'm like where did this come from that's no. that's that's, that's Colonize it, you know so
1: it's like we're about to be
0: listen and don't care because we free right <laughs> right 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 and the wow. one who has been set free is free
1: indeed <laughs> yeah exactly evangelism listen. as colonization Whew. <laughs> well it was but <laughs> well, yeah and still is the missionary it is. Is. is very real but that's how has african spirituality and i know we're almost out of time so no we got time we listen good we how, take our time. Let the how Lord has, use it. <laughs> how has African spirituality, because I know you, you know, have really taken that journey of, you know, um, to really just exploring a lot of other traditions, right? Um, from the ones that you were raised to believe. Like, so how has it helped you and, and served to center you and just expanded you? Yeah. I think the biggest thing is is that it has made me more
0: communal. Meaning, mm. you know, like I realize that I realize one that I have a community that surrounds me. That is the living and the living dead. Um, Ooh, so I'm talking about my ancestors. Yes, veterans. yes. And so it's realizing that, like, with that, there's there literally is um, um, there is no limitations to the to the freedom and liberation that I can obtain, right? So because whenever you have a, a, a community surrounding you, working with you, um, working through you, um, it, it helps to push you forward. Um, But I was, I I have to name like, I was afraid at first to even explore Right hmm. to to even look this way because right. of how I had con- I had been conditioned, um, you know, to, to think and believe that this was, um, you know, it was sacrilegious. It was, um, yeah. it, it was demonic, etc. To to talk to your ancestors is demonic, but we can have a dream and say, you know, Big Mama came to me in my dream last night and go Dang. play the number. Dang. But Dang. we talk about, <laughs> you know, any other type of ancestral communication or practices as demonic. Um, so it really was, and, and I know, like, we all have different different thoughts of of uh, the particular biblical story. Um, but I was reading, um, uh, you know, the like Genesis narrative, um, and this thought, like, this question, uh, you know, that um, like the creator poses when when he asks, like, when 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 the creator asks, "Who told you you were naked?" Um, and so, like, I had to like wrestle with that thing, like, who who told me that like what what I had wasn't sufficient right or or that like this practice isn't sufficient or or that if i if i go uh or or explore these different like ways of being um that 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 wasn't enough to close me and you know um -hmm. i kind of sat with that That Um, and that's what pushed me to, to start thinking about it because i have always had um, a connection with, uh, with with my ancestors. Whenever I could not even name it as that, right? So I remember, like one of the earliest stories I have, and I have a very um, deep connection uh, with my great great grandmother, uh, Laura Geiger, and I have to name her because, like, when we name our ancestors, we we know that they're that that they're they're still present. Um, but my my mother tells me so. I, I was a lot of what I remember about her still through stories, although it feels much it, it feels different for me. It feels like I knew her fondly and intimately, but my mother tells, uh, tells me that the, the night that my, um, my great-great-grandmother passed away, October 4th, 1994, mm. um, we were living in Alexandria, Virginia um, and my great-great-grandmother lived in Beulerville, North Carolina. And my mother said that I came up to her and I said, mom, uh, grandma told me that she had to go wow um, you know she has to leave us but everything is gonna be okay and my mother was like what are you talking about we just went to go see grandma lula that's what we called her we just went to go see grandma lula um the other the other uh week you remember we saw her at the hospital blah 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 and she my mother said i was like no i i just talked to her and she said she had to go but everything is going to be all right and it wasn't but a few seconds later that my grandma Margaret called, you know, hysterical on the phone, um, you know, telling my mom that that my oh, grandma, grandma. Lula had, my grandma Margaret is a trip, uh, telling telling uh, my mom that grandma Lula had had passed on. Right. Mm-hmm. And so uh, and then the my mother says that the night after her service, um, you know, I stopped dead in my tracks in the middle of the street and start pointing and said mom do you see grandma lula right there she's standing there and My mom was like no we just we just had her funeral early." i, I said no she's right there in a white dress anyway wow. like so that has wow. like always been a part of of my story that's always been the backdrop of it um and just realizing that there's no way i i have i i've i've gotten here off of the prayers and the thoughts and the and, and the and the wishes and the concerns of those who have come before me and are still surrounding me and so it, it was like leaning into that and and being okay with it and of course like i'm still a baby in this practice right <laughs> it's a lot that i still yeah, don't know daughter. and um you know um things that i'm still trying to figure out um but it has been it has been so free and to mm. to also go back and pick up practices that we were told um were, were demonic although they're they're a part of our our genealogy right they're a part of who we are um but we've allowed white supremacy to tell us that that we can't take hold of it um mm. you know but at any rate so that that definitely has um been a part of that journey and has been very freeing for me
2: uh, i want to quickly say something to that that um There's a quote by, I don't know if you've you've come across it too, but Dr. Jacob Carruthers that says, African champions must break the chain that links African ideas to European ideas and speak with our ancestors without interpreters. (laughs) repeat it. African champions must break the chain that links our African ideas to European ideas and speak with our ancestors without interpreters. That we have allowed whiteness, we've allowed white supremacy to To tell us what our ancestors have said, our completely eradicate the yeah. things that our ancestors have been telling us, and that's the 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 history, right? Like the history is is where our people are still speaking, and 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 it's crazy because I almost kind of have a similar story, but like recently,
0: mm.
2: with my grandmother, you know, as we were saying before I got on, I was I was um, you know, I've been going back just like I don't know what it is, but there's been something like in me where I have like wanted to go and and just look at her work as a librarian. And I realized that she was just much more than a librarian, but she was like a keeper of the books, like everything that she had. She looked at every book with a soul, right? And and and, and would write meticulously about all of the black history that was going on, all the things that she would read in these books. Wow. And so as I go back, I'm looking literally at breadcrumbs and connecting this and like, oh, this is what was happening at this time. This is what's happening at this time. This is what's happening here. Wow. You wow. know, and 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 like um John Henry Clark says, like, history is a time clock. that tells us the time of the day. And so, like, as I'm going back and looking at her stuff, it's telling me, oh, this makes sense why this is happening right now. Mm -hmm. You know? This ain't different than before. This is just – and so that's – like, my grandma is still speaking to me, like, hey, go back to these books. I kept these books for a reason, and now you are – Supposed to take this to the next level, and so you know that that, yes. that just speaks to me. And that's the part, Trey. They still speak because they're still, yes. here,
0: right? They they're still. It's 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 in a um. It's it's realizing like that's the part, right? Like like with with this like with African spirituality, Afrocentrism, um, is realizing that we have tried to create two different worlds, right? Right, right. So the alienation. The are, they're all here. They, they converge. They're one, right? That's yeah. why it is the living and the dead. They still live mm. a among us, Hmm. um, and and they still talk with us, and they still commune with us um, just in different ways, right? And and that's why, you know, a lot of people in my family have the name James, um, or, you know, there's different names that pass down, and I was wondering about that. My dad explained it. He said, you know, it was a thing that we passed down. My middle name is James. It's a thing we passed down because we believe that every time we speak the name of an ancestor, right, um, Mm -hmm. we we ensure that their presence continues. They live on. Mm -hmm. Right, they live on. Um, so yeah, like it's it's all there, it's all there, it's mm. all
1: yes. there. Mm. Yes. Ah. Well we because once you start, yeah, in, invoking the ancestors, yeah, for sure or not, you know, they're among
2: us and they're with us. And um, you do great libations. I mean, I, I remember Raquel Did when we were in Florida together, had me floored. Hey,
1: yeah, so me. And particularly this year with COVID and everything, I can't, I can't dwell in it too long because <laughs> I guess the, <laughs> I guess the ugly crying of this bike over there But Lord. Yeah. The, the clouds of witnesses, Lord knows yes. It, yes. It, it, it has been, it has been very real. And so just even having that kind of faith system, is really what sustains you in a year like COVID, <laughs> or oh, whatnot, you know, where you do believe in the living and the living dead. Mm-hmm. Um where that you do believe that death doesn't stop love. Um that right. you know, you know, um and because if you if if you don't have that kind of system, it it is very hard to make sense of, of such a senseless kind of year. So for mm-hmm. sure. I mean I mm-hmm. told y'all I told you I was gonna do the episode. Like I told mm-hmm. you, you know, just something to break Gosh. into what are you doing? It
0: doesn't doing? stop loving. It doesn't stop life. That thing. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Life, life
1: is infinite. It's like, not it going. <laughs> it does. So what are you doing, Trey? What are you doing to to heal yourself and others? This is, you know, i will be trying to, like, give us a a, a a closing word, a sacred word. or You know, what are you doing? You know, a healing word or whatnot for right, sure. Right, right
2: i mean i I think for me is as we've kind of just this tonight has even kind of just evoked this spirit of expansiveness, right like it's okay, and it's important not to shrink yourself. I think for me, yeah. even get into a place now of like I'm willing to say okay, I can step outside of the script. I can step outside of what I've been told that I have to do when it comes to ministry, but I found ministry. I found ministry in photography. I found ministry in history. I found ministry in these different places and it's, it's woke me up and I just encourage anybody um, to, to, to recognize and live all, all the gifts that are inside of you. I know we talked about this before, Raquel, when it came to like, Chadwick Bozeman, like how he had uh, our newest ancestor how he had this ability to be able to see things in a different way and with an urgency and not in an urgency just to to do labor but in an urgency to use everything that's inside of me and change this world this you know and and, and I think that whenever we 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 shrink from who we are called to be it hurts us because like all of this is from the ancestors to to those who are living, this is all collaborative work, right? Like we're all working together and we're all bringing our purpose together. And when you shrink and when you're not who you are, the world is less off because they never got to see the fullness of who you are. And so for me, that's, that's how I'm healing myself right now. Right. It's like, I'm just saying, it's okay. It's okay to resist. It's okay to say no, it's okay to, to move forward in all these different gifts that God has called me to be. And if people have problems with it, and let it be. I know. That. Amen, and I say. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I know
1: that's right. I don't know that's right. Pick. What about oh, you? Yo. What are you doing? What are you doing to heal yourself at others? So healing more.
0: You know, it's the sacred spot. So I have to name that. You know, I I I'm up and down really. I mm. am up and down in mm. in moments of, um really um employing the healing uh, mm. that I need. Right. Mm. Um and it really depends it depends on it, it depends on the weather it depends on the day how how my mood shifts but what i've i've had to figure out ways to um to keep going so i think over the this past week if i'm talking about the past week um what i've done to heal myself is to to learn the power of no I've had mm-hmm. to say no, and I've had to state my limitations, uh, be it with work or with school, um, which is hard, right? Because we live in a, a system that is rooted in capitalism that tells us to keep going, that tells us that we have to produce, right. we have to show up, right? Yes. That you're you're not going to be successful if you don't do the work, if you right, if you don't uh, stay up all night long. And so I name it again, you know, that the nap ministry. Has been really helpful in <laughs> freeing me. Thank you to the yeah. bishop. Um, sis is always on it. And so I, I have had to, you know, not just look at the memes and, you know, mm-hmm. and like them, but actually put them into practice. So I've okay. had to say to professors, like, you're not gonna get a paper from me um, today. <laughs> you're gonna get it and it's gonna be good work, right? But it's not happening. Like, it's not happening right now. Like, I, 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 listen, to traumatize, <laughs> right, right. I am trying my best to survive every day. You know, every day, um, it, it really, um, it, it is a struggle in this type of, um, you know, world that we live in. Um, It's a struggle
1: to get up, right? And so and we don't, you know, not to put it, but Dustin has had his fair share of, of, of losses What within what the past month the past and a half right. yeah. Yeah. with yeah. three or four family members yeah. um, for yeah. sure. So, so uh, I've had to say no, I've
0: had to say no, and I've had to, I've had to set limitations. And that has been extremely healing for me, even to the point that. Um, you know, I did that last week. Whenever I got to the beginning of this week, I felt so energized, right? I was around people and I felt so energized, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I feel myself <laughs> kind of going back. So there's some other stuff I got to say no to, right? But that, that, that's that been my healing practice um, th- mm-hmm. this past week or so. What uh-huh. about you, Raquel? What, what are the things that you're doing to to find healing and wholeness?
1: That's what I was trying to think, you know, today, because I just I just sometimes when I work um particularly and it's been a crazy week on you know on my campus I can't speak to all of it but child let's just say this <laughs> you know folks had a good weekend <laughs> or whatnot, and uh and COVID is 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 is, is running rampant or whatnot and, and and you know and doing what it does or whatnot and so today just while I was working um and yesterday really I kind of started I just needed there comes a time when I need to be around black things I need to hear Black voices, black space, or whatnot. And so I watched, and I was talking to them about it earlier, the Ma'afa the movie yeah, or whatnot yeah. and the film or whatnot, um, which the Maafa was a journey, a healing journey um through the transatlantic slave trade. It's a production put on by the church I used to work for, which I said again was a very normal, everyday regular smegger church, um, you know, or whatnot, um, as far as its means and its resources, but every year it put on probably a half a million dollar production called the Maafa. Um, and even just as I watched the movie, I mean Oh, I was just so taken back. I want to encourage you to check it out. It's on YouTube. We'll just look up Saint Paul Community Baptist Church. I don't know what the link is. Yeah, we'll but whatever. The the description. Yeah, there'll be somewhere, y'all. But um, but even as I just sat and looked at it, number one to think about, you know, I thought about one person in particular who always did the makeup for my offer. Um, but was one of our um COVID mortality, you know, um, um, passed away due to COVID nineteen this year or whatnot. And I thought about some other people who've just gone on from that congregation. And it's like they are still telling the story, um, mm-hmm. even you know when they could not tell it live and on the stage. They are still telling the story, and so even from just watching that production, I recognize now because I work in white space. I believe in the myth of scarcity. I believe that I don't have enough, or that we don't have enough resources, or that we don't have. And literally for three and a half years, I worked at a black church in the middle of the projects that put on stuff that would put Broadway to shame. Wow. <laughs> or whatnot, you know. And so I had to tap back into that creativity that is a part of my DNA, you know, as a Black woman, right, or not, you know, and that comes from this Black space or whatnot, you know, and I know, you know, we've all had our, you know, critiques of the Black church, but Lord, I really had to tap back into the fact that, like, scarcity is a myth, like, or not, you know, like, we we have abundance. Abundance is right there at our disposal. We have right in our hands everything that we need to do everything we need to do, um. And would not, and just remembering that or whatnot and and tapping into the sense of that because sometimes and you know, safety spots. Sometimes when you are working around whiteness all the time, they will always make you feel like you're never enough. Um, that you don't have enough. Like you ain't talking right enough. You ain't doing this right enough, or whatnot. So even just playing that in the background today, and just seeing their creativity, just seeing colors, on <laughs> um, so much color and so much vibrancy, or whatnot, it healed me uh, this week, or whatnot. You know, and it, it it really it it touched me in such a way um that that I needed to be touched today, or whatnot. And so just remembering that, I would encourage folks to check that out or whatnot. And, you know, I know Dustin does a version of the Maafa at his institution, and hopefully we can talk about it soon enough, but being able to tap into some of those practices. um, And that was where I was first introduced to African spirituality. you know, they call that congregation demonic so many times. <laughs> when I, uh, people thought I went to work for a cult when I first went to work there or whatnot. Um, but, you know, it just introduced me to so many different practices, the pouring of libations or yeah. whatnot, um, this idea of honoring the elders. Before we do anything, we ask the elders for permission to Isn't proceed forward. Or whatnot, you know. Or whatnot, you know. And just giving me that respect for elders. The baby dedication—they did a baby dedication like anything I, unlike anything I've ever seen before. Or whatnot. It is the loudest baby dedication you will ever hear in your life. Dustin came. I think he got a headache that year. <laughs> but it's from this idea that, like, there were so many babies that did not make it from, you know, through the middle passage or whatnot yeah. because some, you know, they threw the babies overboard. Yeah. So every time we hold up a black baby, like, you know, we honor, you know, something that, you know, that whiteness never designed to happen. They never wanted it to happen or whatnot. So just tapping into, you know, the creativity that, that, that God has given us as black bodies as black souls um, has just been healing for me this week. Um, And so I encourage you to check it out. I pray it's a blessing to you or whatnot. Um, And so this is it, y'all. This is a wrap. I don't think we figured out a way to wrap up. And also, I mean, Trey, that Chadwick Boseman commencement speech that you told me to check out. Oh,
2: you checked it out?
1: My dog.
2: <laughs> Did <laughs> he like,
1: not preach I, at I that end? I have, <laughs> geez, I have two healing words then. I mean, the. I mean, I <laughs> just spend some time on YouTube, y'all. Yes. I guess. Because his commencement speech, he was on to something. Yes. And that's why, you know, you know, I have a friend that died. And then and we done. I promise y'all we're wrapping up. But we're not, like, he, he died at 31. And for me, Chadwick embodies his energy so much. Because I felt like sometimes when young people get a sense that they're ill, there is something in them that just becomes these sages. <laughs> like, they Ooh. become these kind of gurus and teachers of sorts. That's not to glorify illness or cancer, right, right, but witness right. or oh, whatnot. Like he just had a wisdom in that speech that's otherworldly. And the one thing that has left that, you know, that has stuck with me is uh, when he said purpose is interdisciplinary yes and I think that best wraps up this conversation of just like recognizing that it ain't about where you work it's about the work you're doing (laughs) or not like you know or whatnot. as long as you're in your purpose and you're doing what you need to do don't be afraid to make shifts don't be afraid to make changes don't be afraid to go into spaces where you don't have to shrink where you can't expand or whatnot so that speech was just amazing and just really like I mean I just like he captured where I am in my life right now or whatnot of just really it's not so much about what institution I'm at or whatnot because all of them are here to take or <laughs> um, <laughs> and very few of them are here to give or whatnot. It really is about the work that I feel that I'm called to do. And as long as that work is purposeful and meaningful for real or whatnot. So thank y'all for tuning in for sure. Dustin, you got any, any closing remarks, announcements, church announcements? <laughs>
0: Uh, here he are your church announcements no no no, no we we are good listen, this has been really great, so we normally i know we when i say people- i hate when people say normally, there's only been one time, but last <laughs> week we did uh we did wrap up by having uh rock give um give that closing word um but I think uh we'll just have a repeat uh, again uh the words of uh chadwick Bozeman um. Yeah is now um you know an ancestor so rocky let's we're gonna wrap up again just with that closing
1: word for the people give it to us again purpose is interdisciplinary that's literally um that it, it stuck with me oh and i'll probably put it up on the wall somewhere remember that it is it it can it can it can transcend disciplines it can transcend fields it can transcend institutions it don't matter where you at is it's how you you know are embodying the space you know that you're called to live in right now and you're called to work in right now for real so thank you trey Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you Whenever we get on to Chop It Up, it's always a good time for real. And we're going to have you back. Don't worry. You know, we don't know how long we're going to be on here or (laughs) You know, before the states start throwing rocks. We're going to ride it out. (laughs) We love you, dog. All right, y'all. Like, subscribe, share, um, and we'll see y'all next time. Have a good week and, you know, do some things to heal yourself. It's a rough, rough world out here, but there's some beauty in it, too. So do something to heal yourself this week and we'll see you the next time on The Sacred Spot.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of The Sacred Spot, a podcast that seeks to provide a brave, open, welcoming, and affirming space for Black faith practitioners and higher ed professionals in order to develop restorative practices rooted in healing and wholeness from an African diaspora centered perspective. Please remember to like, comment, and share and we'll see you next time.